Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. I'm Dr. Steve Nissen, and I'm here with Dr. Kalra, and we're going to talk about a very interesting topic known as stress cardiomyopathy. So uh, what is stress cardiomyopathy for patients to understand? Um, that's, that's an important question. Um, stress cardiomyopathy is a manifestation of um, stress, as, as simple as that. Um, could be physical stress, could be psychological stress, emotional stress, economic stress. Any stress can manifest in a, a form of, of disease uh, that affects the heart known as stress cardiomyopathy. In colloquial terms, it's also referred to as broken heart syndrome. Broken heart syndrome. I think a lot of people have heard about this. It's gotten a lot of uh, media attention in recent years. What happens to the heart when people have this, this stress cardiomyopathy problem? So it's, you know, like I said, it's an extreme manifestation of, of stress. Um, and what happens is the heart conforms into a shape of an octopus trap. Yeah. Um, and so it has a Japanese name associated with it. And that Japanese name is? Is Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. So yeah, it's really yeah. kind of an interesting, was it originally was described by the Japanese. It, it was in yeah. the early 1990s. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the first seminal paper in the U.S. was, was published, I think, in 1998 in, in the journal Chess by, yeah. by Dr. Sharkey. So people have stress. Not It's frequently emotional stress. Mm -hmm. And then the heart kind of stops working well. And part of the heart muscle isn't contracting. Yes. Um, is this a rare disease? So, you know, um, I would say it's not uncommon. Uh, you know, if you look at the um, historical uh, incidence of, of disease, it's anywhere between 1% to 2% of all comers heart attack patients because, you yeah. know, that's how we pick these yeah. patients up. So people come in, it looks like a heart attack. Mm -hmm. You know, heart attack, of course, is... Uh, is a blockage in a coronary that shuts down blood flow, but they don't have any blockages in the coronary. Yes. And that's the principal way we make the diagnosis. That is that is absolutely correct, Dr. Nissen. Uh, you know, re now you, we're seeing uh, reports and even uh, revision in the diagnostic criteria that you may have innocent bystander blockages, which are stable appearing. Yeah. So not the ones that you would typically associate with a heart attack where yeah. you can clearly see that there is a clot, uh, yeah. which is fresh inside of it. But there's no clot. There's no clot, yeah. and you know the the blood flow is normal. But when you take a look at the heart muscle itself, like you said, there is a portion of the heart which is not contracting as well, and then there is a portion which is trying to compensate for the portion which is not contracting as well. Now you've done some recent research on stress cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome, uh, and maybe you could tell us a little more about what your findings are. Sure. So. Um, this was a question which uh, came up after a clinical observation, uh, which we made in the, in the cath lab. Um, and the observation was that there was, a, we were seeing an uptick. There was an increase in, in the number of stress cardiomyopathy cases that we were seeing. And this happened right about the same timeline, if you will, when Governor DeWine, uh, you know, issued stay at home orders. Yeah. Um, so you that know, would have it, been, you know, March or so of this year. Exactly. So yeah. it was, you know, mid-March, and um, it, it continued. The, the trend we initially thought maybe this is, you know, like a, a cluster of cases we're seeing together. You yeah. know, it happens not uncommonly in medicine, yeah. as you as you know. 
but then, uh, you know, it came, it came to our minds that, you know, look, there's a lot of stress in the community. There's a lot of stress everywhere. Yes. Um, is it the manifestation of stress of the pandemic? So not a direct affliction of the virus, but everything that's happening in parallel to, yeah. to, to the pandemic. Yeah. So people are scared. They're under emotional stress. Maybe they're, they're shut in in their home, which they're not used to. And you see this uptick. So how did you go about demonstrating that there really was an increase? Sure. So, you know, what we looked at, we, so we looked at all common heart attack cases because that's how you're going to capture uh, yeah. this disease. Uh, we looked at months of March and April 2020 in Northeast Ohio in our health system, the Cleveland Clinic health system. And we compared it with, um, you know, cases of cystic cardiomyopathy, which happened in the pre-pandemic months. So we chose March and April of last year. So March and April of 2019, mm -hmm. you get kind of a baseline rate of occurrence. Mm -hmm. And then you get it in 2020 in March and April. Yes. What'd you find? So the, um, like you said, I mean, the incidence was anywhere between one to 2% in, in, in the pre-pandemic months, you know, March and April of 2019 or yeah. March and April of 2018 also, which is a, is a timeline that we looked at. And it was 1.5 to 1.7%. So right in between one to 2%, which is the historical, uh, you know, incidence yeah. reported in the literature. In the pandemic months of March and April, the incidence rose to almost 8%. So 7 That's a big increase. Big increase. Yeah. Big so increase. maybe anywhere from a four to eight fold increase. Does that yeah. sound? That sounds, sounds, sounds about right. right. And uh, that's uh, really a big surprise. Now, for patients to understand, what happens to people that have come in and been given this diagnosis? What's the long term? look like? So uh, that's a great, great question. Um, so I think in the short term, the disease can be fatal. You know, yeah. we, we did lose uh, a patient uh, in the pandemic months to this But that's this relatively disease. uncommon. It's so. uncommon. Yeah. And so when we looked at mortality from the disease, whether it was the pandemic months or the pre-pandemic months, it was similar. Um, I think the, the good news for the patients is that at least in the, in the relatively short to long term, if there's adequate supportive care, uh, and if you come into the hospital and you're discharged following supportive care, and you have this diagnosis, um, you know, in about six to eight weeks, there is complete recovery of the heart, heart muscle. Yeah. So it's really pretty amazing because uh, as we both take care of these patients and, uh, you know, people come in, they've got symptoms of a heart attack. They go right to the cardiac catheterization laboratory, which is what we do. And their coronaries aren't blocked. We make this diagnosis. Uh, people are obviously concerned about it, but if you see them back in a month or two, heart functions back to normal. Mm -hmm. uh, do we know what causes this disorder? So, you know, several theories, uh, you know, surgeon catecholamines. Uh, so, ad so adrenaline. Adrenaline. Adrenaline is surging when you get frightened. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's... Uh, uh, and, and, you know, some have obviously um, tried to link it to uh, the hyperestronism in, in women um, uh, or, you know, there, there is the, the hormonal theory to it as well. Yeah. Um, women have more higher incidence. They do. So if you look at the international registry, uh, more, over 90 percent, you know, were, were women. Um, in, in our study, which is just an, op it's a, it's an interesting observation, is, you know, 35 percent were actually men. 
So okay. a third, a third, yeah, but still yeah. we had, you know, the, the vast majority was still women. Yeah. But, you know, still, uh, I think compared with, you know, historical cohorts. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the things that uh, people have been observing lately is that uh, patients that have chest pain, whether it's due to a, a, a coronary blockage, a more common heart attack or stress cardiomyopathy, they tend to delay coming in the hospital because they're afraid of coronavirus infection. And I wonder if you could provide patients with some advice about what to do if they have these kind of symptoms. Yeah, so I think that that's a really important take-home message uh, yeah, from this study and from, uh, in general, other studies. Um, you know, another Cleveland Clinic study, which was led by Dr. Coach, showed that there was a significant drop in cardiovascular emergencies in the pandemic months. Yeah. Uh, an important message for the patients uh, is to seek care when yeah. when they when they think that they need care. Yeah. You know, uh, the hospital environment is is extremely safe, as as you and I know. We've yeah. the, the Cleveland Clinic has done an incredible job in yeah. making sure that our campuses are safe. Yeah. Um, also, there's there are data out there now which have clearly shown that the community spread of infection is 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 higher compared with the hospital spread of infection. Yeah. And it's because of all the policies that, you know, hospital hospitals systems. are very, very careful. And, uh, exactly. you know, our worries, of course, are that patients that have these chest pain syndromes, whether it be stress cardiomyopathy or, or the actual more typical heart attack, they're going to stay at home too long and then have much worse complications. And so we've got to deliver that message. Everybody's got to understand that, you know, if you have chest pain, you know, that, you know, uh, you're worried about might represent an acute heart problem, the best thing to do is not to get in your car and drive to the hospital. It's call 911. We'd rather have people come in and have it be a false alarm than have somebody have a terrible complication Absolutely. because they didn't, they didn't seek prompt care. Um, the good news is if you're happy, you happen to have stress cardiomyopathy, you're going to probably do okay. Uh, you're likely to get better and, and, you know, in a month or two, you'll be back to normal. Now, another question for patients, can this happen more than once? Have you seen anybody? Have you, what, what do we know about whether this can recur? So, uh, again, excellent question. You know, it can recur. Yep. Um, you know, in fact, in patients who've had it once, there is a higher likelihood of in, you know, hap this happening to them again. Yes. Uh, another episode of stress cardiomyopathy. Maybe they're genetically primed to be more susceptible to the effects of stress. But, uh, you know, stress isn't good for you. This kind of stress can break your heart. Absolutely. But fortunately, the heart's pretty good at, at getting unbroken. Yes, that is true. So thank you very much for watching. And uh, it's our pleasure to talk with patients about this important uh, research that you've done that oh, helps you. us understand that we're seeing a lot more of this. Yes, we are. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.